You don't know how to stop a time wraith? None of us do. That's why we always try and avoid them in our travels. We? Speedsters. We're not the only two out there, you know. This isn't the first time I've time traveled. How come I've never seen one of these until now? Because you ran out of luck. And time races hate it when speedsters manipulate the timeline. And now that thing's going to do everything it can to end you. <laughs> Here's what we're going to do. Go to CCPD. You're gonna see what you can find and help us stop this thing. I'll do the same here. What am I supposed to be looking for? You're in forensics. Figure something out. Hey, but what about the equation? Me getting faster. If we don't stop this thing, there's gonna be no point in me teaching you anything. Let me explain what happened to me. You I, are correct. I live alone, and I have about three or four locks on my front door. It's only one door out because I'm in an apartment. And I went to bed. I usually read before I turn out the light, but I have a nightlight on. I turn the light off. And as I turned it off, I heard something kind of in my living room. Oh. And I thought, oh, gee, what's that? Well, and I'm laying there with the light, a nightlight on. It shadows my hallway. I look up, and I see this black shadow of a man. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like he was coming real fast in the hall. Then when he looks up and sees me, he comes towards me. I threw the sheet over my head. And I said, ah! And he leaned <laughs> over me and said, boo. What? Yes, ah, and that's why I'm calling, otherwise I would No, 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 wait. Uh, can you remember whether there was, uh, in other words, was this the classic uh, picture of the shadow person, uh, sort of a... Yes, it was. It was just like, um, I saw the arms, uh, the head, but I couldn't see a face. It was just black. Everything was black, but it was yes. a shadow of a person. And you threw the, 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 the sheet over. It I said... did, because he was coming right towards uh, yeah. me. And he said, boo? And he leaned over and said, boo, and fine, I didn't hear anything, and I pulled the cover back a little bit. Oh, my God. I couldn't sleep for two hours. I got up. I wouldn't sleep for two days. Uh, so apparently these shadow people have a sense of humor. Well, I don't know. Uh, you know, the first thing that came into my mind was I know someone is uh, getting close to going on the other side, and I thought, oh, gee, I wonder if they've already gone. But I thought, I don't believe in stuff like this. But that actually happened, and I called um, about three people that I'm close to and told them what happened. And? They said, oh, gee, Louise, maybe that's, um, let's see, um, what is it? Some people meditate, and they say they can transform their spirit to another location or something. And I thought, oh, I don't know, but I don't want to get caught up in that realm. As in out-of-body travel. Out-of-body experience. That's been another theory that people have had about what it might be. But if it actually, it clearly said the word, Boo? Boo, yes. That's what hits me because I haven't heard any of your... Uh, it, it was in a man's voice. Yes. It, 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 I could actually, when I pulled the cover over, um, it, I knew it was right there in front of me or side of my bed, and I could see he leaned over and said, Boo. And I, was, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. Yes. And yet none of my bolts on my door were undone. The windows were all locked. And I sat there, and I thought, my God, I can't believe this. And it was about 12.30 or 1 o'clock in the morning. That's really something. Yeah. I, I have, you have no idea how I appreciate your call. Thank you. Okay. Take Thank care. You. Bye. Uh, there's another one. And so they just flood, flood, flood in. I think the man who sent me this letter really has a good handle on what it is. It is by far the best technical explanation that you can glom onto that makes sense. I may read this uh, email again. I may read it again. I wonder if we can get it posted. Let me see. Not yet. Oh, wait a minute. Let me do a reload here. No, not yet. 
Uh, it's likely that Keith may not have kept it. I did forward this to Keith, but it was a few days ago. So I'd love to get it up on the website and let you uh, read it at your leisure. We'll see. I'll, I'll talk to Keith uh, during the break. Once with the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning, Art Bell. Yes. Nice to talk to you. This is Vicki in California. Hi, Vicki. Hi. I loved what that theory that you read. That was great. Not bad, huh? Yeah, and it makes so much sense. Uh, it goes along with those, those tenets in, like, metaphysics where everything exists in the state of vibration. It would make perfect sense. And I thought it was really astute that you said that they were younger people and think about all the kids watching, doing video games and that kind of thing all the time. Well, the majority of the people calling me about this have been in their, at, at the latest, 30s mostly, then 20s, and then teens. Mm -hmm. and that's really intriguing, isn't it? It makes a lot of sense. Enjoy your show a lot. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you, and uh, take care. East of the Rockies, you're on Shadow Beings. Dr. Morgan Spence was born in the Northwest U.S., raised by her Australian father and Irish mother, both of whom were raised in South Wales, then later immigrated to the U.S. Dr. Spence's father disappeared under mysterious circumstances in 1985 and has never been seen since. She received her Ph.D. in paranormal research from the International Research Academy, has dedicated her life to gaining a better understanding of paranormal phenomena, what it means to us, our society, and our existence. She currently resides near Vancouver Island in Canada. She has a website up about it's shadowbeings.com, which you can get to through my website. We've got a link there. And she wrote me uh, an email and said, All right, I've been studying these beings for 11 years. A subject that I'm relatively new to. Um, how long have we been talking about this? A couple of months, maybe? And she's been looking at it for 11 years. Here she is, uh, Dr. Spence. Welcome. Hello, Art. Can you hear me all right? I hear you fine, sure. Great. Thank you so much for having me on the show tonight. Uh, you're very welcome. Uh, you, you came out of nowhere. Well, yes, and so did you, sort of, to me a few weeks ago. <laughs> How did that happen? Well, I, I had listened to you a few years ago, off and on, and always enjoyed your shows, but then uh, a few weeks ago I was sort of driving home from uh, watching a movie, and on the way home I had this extreme... I, I just felt compelled to turn on your show, and I did, and I listened to it on the way home, then got home and continued to listen to it. And someone was discussing... Uh, time travel, actually. Oh, yes. And uh, there was something said about someone remembering that Nelson Mandela had died, and I remembered the same thing. Really? Yes. Well, it sounds like we've got a couple of things we're going to be talking about tonight, then. Absolutely. And, of course, this sort of... I, I was sitting on the floor for over an hour, just unable to move at that point, because it almost sort of put me into shock, realizing, you know, that someone else had, had realized this, and it sort of struck a chord, literally. And then... What happened after that was that I I reached the point where I I had to listen to your show every night. So if I was on the internet, I would listen, and, and of course my my schedule is strange anyway, and so compelled I, to listen. Absolutely. All right, you're writing a book right now with Dr. C. A. Reed, right? Yes. Uh, and this book is what? Well, the the book is basically a, a compilation of our research uh, and my research primarily over the past 11 years, and uh, Dr. Reed's contributions also offer some experiences with her research 
and also I would say her contribution is more about the logic of, of all of it and how to recognize that there's some flawed, flawed logic processes out there that uh, people are using to try and explain them away. Mm. <clears throat> well, uh, it appears to us um, with regard to these shadow beings, you know, as magic. It's like magic, after all. Uh, beings that appear and disappear, that's magic to us. Well, in my opinion, all magic is, is science that we don't yet understand. Precisely. That we're not yet able to explain. Mm -hmm. And I believe that probably most people are hoping tonight that I'm going to give them one answer about what shadow people are and what causes them. And they'll probably be disappointed because it, it's really not that simple, like most things in life. Okay, I'm sure not. Uh, did you, perchance, hear the email that I read from the technical fellow in the first hour? Yes, I did, and would oh, you good. believe that that was something I tried to tell my my father when I was about three years old? Uh, I, I, I tried to tell my father when I was three years old that I saw these, these shadow people, these shadow shapes, yes. and I told him, I said, Daddy, I think that this has something to do with the television, because when, when the television turns off, there's sort of this thing that floats in the air and I can see all these shapes and sometimes they, they don't go away yes and they're my friends and this this sort of takes you back and makes you remember when you were a child you and know, they're my friends oh yes yes you know you've, you've heard of children having imaginary friends oh yes and you, you know we assume that oh it's just their imagination and the truth is maybe it isn't their imagination I can tell you that to me mine wasn't my imagination because I could actually see sort of a shape there and as a child, you don't really know any better. You, you don't know much about the world yet, and you assume that this is normal. And then when you tell people about it, they say things like, oh, that's nice, dear, or, well, someone has a, a wild imagination today, don't they? That's right. And so what we do is, is we learn that, oh, we don't talk about these sorts of things, and then we sort of sublimate them, and, and we no longer pay attention, or if we do, we feel shame and we sort of grow up with a, a sense that we're alone and, and we're isolated and we can't, you know, alienate it from everyone else. So then really it's a conditioning process uh, to not see them. In other words, if it's a borderline thing anyway, and it has something to do with frequency, um, then once we're conditioned, uh, it's nothing, dear, uh, a great imagination, as you said, whatever it is, some sort of little subtle, Hey, dummy, it's not real type comments uh, will cause you eventually to uh, not see them. Of course. And, you know, it's, it's quite interesting because psychiatry and psychology are, I believe, uh, like many areas of science, rife with delusions. Uh, and the problem is that the delusional person is usually the, the so-called professional. Mm. There are many cases, numerous cases, of people who had cancer and were in the early stages of, of cancer and were sent to therapist because nothing could be found wrong with them and three years later it turns out that they did have cancer but in the meantime they were sort of brainwashed out of it and believed that they weren't sick and that it, that it was in their mind right and what happens is you go to, you know you might go to a therapist because they can't find anything wrong with you and they might tell you that you know you're, there's nothing wrong with you and, and sort of condition you and then suddenly you believe it and they say, aha, you see, it was, it, it was simply nothing more than you, it was in your mind and you had anxiety disorder or something mm -hmm. like that. And the truth is, cancer is in your body 10 years before typically it's diagnosed because it takes that long for one cancer cell that develops to, to split and divide and grow into a tumor. 
And so many of these people are, are sort of taught to ignore their symptoms, and, and I believe that's the real reason people aren't getting diagnosed with cancer soon enough, because they're told it's in the minds, and our, our, our diagnosis processes are really sort of fragmented. They, they use a lot of flawed logic in order to get diagnoses. And so it's the same thing with this sort of phenomenon. People are sort of trained and brainwashed out of it. You can be trained, you can be brainwashed into believing that you're sick when you're not, certainly, but it also works the other way around. You can be sick and be brainwashed into believing that you're not. Absolutely. And it might make the symptoms go away for a while, but generally they return in with a vengeance when they do return. Mm, of course. And so it's, it's the same way with the shadow people phenomenon. Okay, well, you saw them when you were young, so there is an obvious reason for your interest. When did you begin to actually investigate whatever in the heck these are? Well, when I started college uh, in the 90s, I was, uh, of course, the International Research Academy is a unique academy in that it's geared towards extreme research, and it's it's unbelievable. I could have never imagined the sort of training. <laughs> well, this was... is an extreme subject. <clears throat> well, yeah. No question about it. Of course, and and so my basically my theme throughout my education was that this was one of the main areas I studied, the, the paranormal in general. But I couldn't help but notice the connection between the shadow people phenomenon and everything else, including out-of-body experiences, near-death experiences, also including uh, extraterrestrial encounters and abductions and whatnot. So it really does, there, there seems to be a connection, and yet I think it's a mistake to assume that... That it's any one thing? Right, that it's any one thing. All right, but there are, there are certain commonalities that I'm beginning to discern. Uh, one of them would seem to be... Uh, from the thousands of letters that I've had, it seems as though these creatures are accustomed to seeing us and accustomed to do whatever they do, understanding our presence. They are certainly aware of our presence, but on occasion when they're seen full on by people, they act shocked, surprised, and run like hell. Well, of course. Now, imagine, Art, for a moment that you are one of these beings and you've been around forever and you've spent God knows how many years observing humans and watching them and sort of being entertained by them, maybe, <laughs> and suddenly they can see you. Oh, my God, what's, what's happening? Something's changed here. Something, this isn't right. And so they, they run. That's their first response. To, to a shadow being, if, if these theories are correct, we must be almost barely moving monoliths. In other words, uh, we must be going at a very slow rate compared to them, usually. Well, it's possible. That's, that's something that's really difficult to determine because we don't know enough about vibration and, and um, frequencies of, of this sort of energy. You know, for example, thought. We, we think we've, we've been able to track thought by watching the brain light up when it's connected to, you know, wiring and, and doing an EEG, yeah. or if we watch the brain under an MRI. And the, the truth of the matter may be that what we're seeing is evidence that thought has occurred in the brain, huh. but that it may have actually uh, occurred a split second or a sub-nanosecond before. But the fact that these beings are surprised uh, indicates they're operating with an intelligence roughly as we understand it in some ways, at least. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. That, that they're not just sort of... They've got a fight-or-flight reaction to being seen. Exactly, exactly. And So that says some things to us, at least. Yes, it, it does say something to us. We don't necessarily know what, but something significant, I would say. 
And, you know, also there's another analogy that could be used. Imagine that you have a one-way mirror. I believe I get confused which one is a one-way, which is a two-way, but, you know, a mirror where one person looks in it and sees themselves, and yes. you're on the other side, and you see them, but they don't see you. Oh, that's a, that's... I believe that's one-way. No, no, one... Two-way? No, I think it's two-way. <laughs> oh, well, I think... Anyway, whatever it is, they know what we're talking about. Sure. And if you're on the other side observing someone, you know, like in a police interrogation room... Yes. And, and you're assuming that they can't see you, and so you feel rather safe. Correct. And even if the other person on the other side isn't really a danger to you, if suddenly they can see you, you suddenly feel vulnerable. I'll tell you what else will do it. If they, if they get up from their chair and go on the window and say, hey, you in there. Exactly, exactly. It's just sort of a, you know, thinking that you're, you're undetected and then realizing that you are detected is unnerving. That's just a normal response of, of huh. any sort of being, I would think. All right, but if so many, here's another one for you. If all across the country uh, I'm, and, and other parts of the world, I'm getting email and letters from people who are seeing these beings now who haven't seen them before or uh, have just begun to see them as you did early in life, this is a relatively new phenomenon. In other words, for sure this wasn't going on 100 years ago. It wasn't going on 200 years ago. It would have been written about. It, you know, there, maybe the beings were there, but what I'm saying is the new aspect of the phenomena is that we're beginning to see them in large numbers, I might add. And so something is driving that. Any thoughts on what? Well, I, I do believe it has to do with electromagnetic energy and, and other types of energies. And uh, there's so much of it. Uh, one of the things that I've learned from speaking to many different people and doing interviews with them is that the more electronic gadgets they have in their homes, right. and of course lasers as well, but not just lasers, uh, it could be a television, radio, any number of things. Well, you know, if that's it, I should be seeing armies of them. I well, have more electronics and, and microwaves flying around here than the man in the moon, and, and I haven't seen one shadow being yet. Well, my question would be, are the windows and doors open frequently in, in that dwelling? No. No, they're okay. not. Uh, well, we open windows for fresh air here in the desert at night in the summer. Uh, let me qualify what I said. Here's how all of this began. And I actually have seen something in my peripheral vision. In fact, when I began the program Dreamland many years ago, I wrote an intro to Dreamland which said, seen, a thing seen from the corner of your eye in a flash, or something like that. I'm paraphrasing what I said, but something like that. Things seen just at the very edge of vision, uh, in your peripheral vision. Now, I've seen things move like that, but I have never seen anything dead on, what I would describe as a being, just sort of quick movement out of the corner of my eye. That I've seen. Sure. Well... Here's, here's something to consider. You're well. You're aware, as a technical person, what occurs when there's a certain sort of light. Like if you're looking up in the night sky, there are certain star systems or, or arrangements of stars that can only be seen out of peripheral vision. Right. Uh, and this is because they're, they're very dim, or you know, sometimes maybe there's. Uh, interference in, in the line of vision or whatnot. There are many things that we know are real that we frequently only see out of our peripheral vision, and it seems to have to do with, with brightness. Well, with this, sort of all bets are off because we don't know exactly 
what we're dealing with, whether it's light or radiation or electromagnetic fields, but it seems to be that somehow the volume gets turned up and suddenly instead of only seeing them out of the corner of your eye, you can see them dead on mm -hmm. because they seem to gain in strength. Um, you know, and, and I believe that there are a lot, of, a lot of scientists out there who are skeptics and who are saying, well, if you see things out of the corner of your eye, it's simply your imagination. And, you know, I have an example of that. When I was uh, living in a, an old house a few years ago, I remember that I would see this, something out of the corner of my eye and it was moving very quickly and I thought, oh, it's just my imagination, yeah. it's an old house and whatnot. And then suddenly I began to realize that it made a, a little noise, a little pitter-patter. And I thought, I wonder if I have a mouse. Uh -huh. And I never could see this mouse, but I, I, I actually bought a glue trap and I put that in the kitchen. Uh -huh. And the next day, there was this mouse there. Really? So I, I freed it and let it go outside. but. It, it was indeed a mouse, and so this was a very real thing that I was seeing, but had I not put the trap out, I probably would have never known. I would have continued to think that it was something I was seeing out of the corner of my eye that was yeah. my imagination. And yeah. so it's the same thing with shadow people. Just because it's out of the corner of your eye, just because you can't see it dead on, doesn't mean it's not there. Because, of course, the parallel is that we have many things that we know are real that we, we still can only see out of our peripheral vision. Well, when I wrote those words that, were, that really went to the core of what the program was to be about, I, I think I instinctually understood that I was seeing some real phenomena, something I really couldn't identify, but I felt strongly enough about it to put it to words. Exactly. Even then, that was years ago. So I guess I'm not really surprised about this. What I do want to know, and, and you're going to disappoint me for sure, is I want to know what these beings are. They must be all around us. They must be sharing the world with us. They must have their own... I don't know. I'm at a loss for words. Well, yeah. I have quite a few uh, pieces of information that may at least shed some light on it for you. Uh, I believe that, first of all, if you, if you want to look at what these things are or are not, or a variety of things that they may be, let's first look at what they probably are not. All right. I'll tell you what. Hold that thought, what they are not, and we'll uh, break here at the bottom of the hour. Keith has done it along with ZZ Top's Vomit Comet ride, which I am going to do. I see it in my future. Along with that uh, comes now another shadow being story. At the top of what's new, that's what it says, another shadow being story. It is, in fact, a copy of the email that I read in the first hour. I would suggest that as many of you who think you know what you're doing is possible, read that and render an opinion to me on what you think with regard to the phenomena. I think the man may have it nailed down, or at least to some degree. Certainly the reason we're beginning to see these beings in such large numbers. In the meantime, uh, let's go back now uh, to my guest, uh, Dr. Morgan Spence, and discuss uh, what they're not. You were beginning to say uh, that they are not certain things based on what we know so far. Well, I believe they're probably not certain things. First, let me qualify everything and say that my, first, my, my favorite three words are I don't know because I believe the moment we begin to believe we know something, that's the moment when we begin to be wrong. And with linear logic, which is quite limited in many ways, um, frequently what will happen is we'll be right on except for one tiny detail <laughs> and then 
the, the rest of the direction of our linear logic, the line of our linear logic, is completely off track. And it just gets worse and worse as you go along. Mm. That's why, uh, actually, my colleague, Dr. Reed, who co-wrote the book with me, which, by the way, is called Shadow Beings, Reality Unveiled, um, she developed a method of logic that she, does, she calls spherical logic, which makes more sense to me because we live in a spherical world and it doesn't make much sense to try to completely apply, inflict linear logic on a spherical world. You're going to miss a lot of the, the aspects, and yet linear logic can be necessary in order to understand pieces of a puzzle, but if you're not able to... Well, you're talking to a linear audience for the most part, so if you want to talk about sphere, spherical logic, you're going to have to explain to us what it is. All right, well, spherical logic basically is that instead of following point A to point B to point C, you, and then stopping when you think you've got it figure, figured out, right. you continue on and you go around a 360-degree circle until you get back to your original point of, of starting. And then you, you take it from there and go three-dimensional with it. And you look at as many other things as seriously as you would of this one point. So basically, you know, we have, for example, I have encountered physicians who are convinced that this is sort of a chemical thing in the brain. And because they've been able to... Uh, reproduce these sorts of phenomenon in the patient by giving them certain chemicals, they've determined that this must be what's really causing this. DMT, for example. Exactly, exactly. That's, that's a, a huge theory that I believe is going to continue to develop in the medical world. Well, first of all... I'm about to have a physician on who got permission from the government to give a whole bunch of patients DMT and did to investigate exactly this. You know, I believe I received an email from him, and, and I am interested in his, his information because even if it doesn't completely explain things, it certainly will provide some insight into what may allow us to see these things. That's right. I do think that it is extremely flawed logic to assume that because we've figured out certain aspects of the experience that we now understand what causes it. Because, you know, you can give someone a, a chemical injection and cause them to feel very happy. Absolutely. He's Dr. Rick Strassman, by the way. Oh, all right. Yes, that's right. I do believe I did receive an email from him. Okay. But, you know, you can, you can give uh, an injection of, of some, some chemical to someone and convince them, you know, that they become convinced that they're happy and, and they perceive that they're happy and so forth, therefore they are happy for the moment even if their mother just died and the, the dog just threw up on the new shoes, you know. That's true. So uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that we've explained what causes people to feel emotions because certainly we feel emotions when there's a real reason to feel emotions from the outside in rather than just from the inside out. So I believe what happens is because it, sometimes we, we've, you know, maybe, maybe someone has spent 12 years educating themselves medically, they now have uh, this idea that it's a medical thing and everything can be explained in terms of medicine. And so, therefore, they follow a linear logic line. Oh, well, just because, put simply, just because they can reproduce it with chemicals or electrical stimulation doesn't negate the possibility that it's absolutely real. They're simply duplicating it, that's all. Exactly. Oh, no, I'm, I, I'm with you there. So let's circle back now to what they are not. Well, first of all, I, I want to look, I want to touch on demons. Demons? Now, sure. I, I don't, I don't claim to, to know that demons do not exist for certain, but I am quite sure that our... Define demon. 
Well, demon meaning, you know, in the biblical sense of evil okay. spirit or something like that. All right. Like Representative that. of the forked one. Exactly. Yes. Um, I, I believe, first of all, that uh, demons are a very primitive concept, you know, a man-made creation by, by many people's uh, definition of, of what a demon is. Oh. And uh, even though they may exist, this doesn't mean that... that that explains everything that frightens us. It seems that we, we have developed this automatic reaction that if it frightens me and I don't like it, it's a demon. Yes. And this is oversimplified thinking. You know, we, you know, I have a primitive reaction. I'm extremely nervous doing any sort of public speaking, as is my, my research partner. You're doing and, quite well under the circumstances. Well, thank you. But if, if I were to go with my initial instinct, it would be fight or flight. Well, I can't very well fight you or the phone, which is... No, I understand that if we really wanted to hear uh, fight or flight, you would just simply hand the phone to Dr. Reed right now and say, you're on, go. Right, and run away. <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so we talked about her earlier. She's not really wild at all about public speaking, folks. That's the deal. <laughs> right, exactly. And... Uh, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely convinced that just because something is a natural reaction doesn't mean that it's something that, that serves us in today's society. So you don't think they're demons? I don't think so. I believe maybe some of them could be. But again, I, I try to stay away from absolutes because that's, mm -hmm. that's when you just start to, to confuse yourself and maybe even get a little neurotic. But, okay. but I don't believe that all of them are demons, and I'm not sure that even a, a significant percentage of them are If I read between your voice, you, you're probably unconvinced there really are even demons, as in the biblical sense. Well, I don't know. I, I probably, probably not in the literal sense that it's been presented through the religious text. Okay. I, incidentally, I'm a spiritual person, but I am not religious. Okay. Uh, and I also believe that what what happens is that ideas get presented and they get sort of distorted because people take them too literally. Mm. And even the religious texts tell people to use discernment, and very few people, few people actually do. Right. And so they should take a page out of their own book. No, it does not. Demons. What about ghosts? Well, again. It depends on your definition of a ghost. If, if you believe that ghost is like Casper, the friendly ghost, or no. a poltergeist, like on, on a movie poster, No, 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 no. My definition, I'll give you my definition of ghost. Uh, my definition of ghost is uh, that which was uh, previously human, uh, which has physically died, and uh, whose spirit or soul, depending on what, how you want to think about it, remains for some reason on Earth. That's my definition of ghost. I absolutely believe that is, that is a distinct possibility, strongly, because of the fact that, as I said before, we've, we only think we've been able to identify thought energy. We, we really can only identify evidence. Of so are you agreeing with my definition, or are you saying you think these shadow people may, in fact, be ghosts? That, that would be a certain percentage of the occurrences. In other words, some may be demons, oh. some may be ghosts, for lack of a better word, what I call soul energy that is no longer attached to or contained to the body. Right? Yes. Also, there could be um, ghosts. We need to expand. Uh, we, we have very narrow definitions of things as humans. We need to expand, I believe, ghosts to include ghosts of other beings. Because certainly... 
I don't believe that humans are the only beings that have souls. Oh, by the way, may I add that we have uh, photographs of ghost cats and ghost dogs, or shadow dogs and shadow cats, depending on what you want to call them. Uh, maybe the, it's going to be interchangeable by the time the night is over. I don't know. But we've had many reports of shadow animals. Now, that's pretty interesting since biblically they don't exactly have souls. Not supposed to anyway, right? Right, exactly. And that's why I don't place too much value on, on previous belief systems. I, uh, I, I think that we need to gain some wisdom to go along with our knowledge and recognize that things do indeed change in the physical world anyway. And it's indeed they may change in the, what I call the light energy world. The, the energy of a soul, I believe, when, and, and I do believe it's a matter of when, not if, we are able to identify soul energy and measure it and detect its existence, we will find that it is so light and travels so quickly that it is just probably unfathomable by human brains. And uh, well, there are many people who believe that when you die, you simply, uh, your, your energy simply switches frequencies, more or less, to put it one way, that you switch frequencies, and that you uh, probably go into a range of frequencies that normal human beings, under normal conditions, would never see, would Absolutely. never be aware of. I would, I would agree with that. Absolutely. And I would also add that there are people who believe that there's no such thing as a soul or soul energy, and I actually believe that, that they're basically deluding themselves because they're frightened of it, or maybe they're just a little too comfortable with feeling that they have an understanding of everything that exists, because, frankly, we don't want to believe that we don't understand anything that, in, that exists, because that leaves us sort of clueless, and our egos don't like that. That's right. And when it comes to frequencies, let's talk about frequencies for a moment. Um, Frequencies are things, just like I believe thoughts are things. And frequencies don't don't usually just disappear, especially not when they're in in a, an exact form that's so strong and that has been been vibrating in a certain at a certain frequency for a long time. Especially, you know as well as I do, that when you broadcast something, it goes out and continues on and on and on. Yes. And certainly it may fade, it may get weaker and weaker, and that perhaps at some point it dissipates. I, I'm not an expert on those sort of things, but I do know that frequencies tend to go on much longer than we're able to hear them. You know, oh, we, indeed. Right. We, we're hearing this, and we assume that it's not out there anymore, that it's gone, but most people uh, who are aware of, of the science aspects of broadcast systems are aware that it continues on. So this is a very important point because it does point to the, the probability that there is such a thing as a soul and that it does sort of maintain some sense of its original form. And if that is so, it stands to reason that uh, it, it's around us, all around us. I mean, Well, how about this theory, Doctor? Uh, that there really is, in the classic sense of up there and down there, no heaven and hell. There are simply different frequencies and they occupy the same space, uh, running radically uh, different from each other. Um, we can see in three dimensions. I understand some animals in only two. Dr. Kaku, a brilliant man who comes on my program, talks about standing above a, a pond and looking down at fish. And the fish, of course, are only seeing in two dimensions. 
but he, he wonders about reaching down and plucking that fish out of the water into the air, and suddenly that fish is in, for at least a short time, till it gags and dies, in three dimensions. So why could we not occasionally get a glimpse of what really is another dimension as represented by another frequency? Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's really quite absurd to assume that we couldn't. You know, it, it, it's only, it only follows by even linear logic that we should be able to. And the truth is, scientists, I'm sure you're probably aware if you've spoken to, to uh, Dr. Koku, that scientists believe they have uncovered 11 different dimensions already. That's and, right. And given that fact, 11 dimensions, that's quite a few more than three. And I'm not a math expert, but I, I do know that much. And my theory, and I don't know that I have a lot to back it up yet, but my theory is that however many dimensions there are, they probably exist concurrently and, and on top of one another. Sort of, you know... Would, would you imagine it would be true that, as we can see in three dimensions, uh, somebody living in a fourth dimension would be able to see in four dimensions? Exactly. And they might not see things the way we do, but they would certainly be able to detect certain energies. I believe that they would probably, there would probably be a, a color or a vibration or some sort of sensory input that we don't even have words for because we've never encountered it, that they would be able to perceive. And, you know, then you're getting into an area of who knows how many dimensions they see and who knows how right. you get into the various dimensions. Right. But, you know... Um one night, we did a show on shadow people, and we had people uh, all night long send in drawings of what they had seen. And uh, I hope that you've been on my website, and I've I seen have. some. Oh, you've seen them. Good. I've looked at all of them. All right, there's a great range of things that they have seen. Uh, there's obvious commonalities, big time, in what they've seen, but uh, all the way up to what seem to be demons and awful things, that you would not really, you know, if you die, I mean, most of us wouldn't, would not want to imagine that we would pass into a world with beings, sharing the world with beings that looked like that list that we saw there. Exactly. Well, and I, I don't know that literally it's heaven and hell, but I do believe that it's possibly your energy vibration and whatever it's aligned with is where you're going to be attracted to, what's going to attract your energy and suck it in. You know, you could compare it to a black hole. If you have energy that's, that's sort of nearby one black hole, you're going to get sucked into that one. And if yeah. your energy vibrates at a different level, perhaps, you might get sucked into a different one. And so it's quite interesting because perhaps it could, it could almost approach resembling heaven and hell, at least in a oh, yeah. very general sense, not necessarily in the literal human sense, the, the fairy tale sense that we sort of bought into. But certainly I believe that's a possibility. I also believe that these beings, for whatever reason, are attracted to strong emotion, and I believe another one of your callers said the same thing. That they Actually, uh, many people have said the following, that yes, they're attracted to strong emotion, uh, particularly appearing to, to feed on fear. Yes. Feed on fear. And uh, they, they can certainly, if they can be seen, they can produce lots of fear, so it's a real feast. Right, exactly. Well... You know, if you consider them psychic vampires, so to speak, where they actually suck all of the energy out of the room or they yeah. suck your... They, they need the energy. It's, remember that fear is nothing more than a vibration that you create. 
that your brain is firing a lot of you know neurotransmitters and creating this this reaction, and therefore fear is really a certain type of energy vibration, and it's I believe probably a very strong vibration. Well, I'll tell you, uh, if I were to see one of these things straight on, I'd generate enough fear to light up half of California and keep the rolling blackouts from occurring. I I would really generate a lot of fear. Oh, Pro absolutely. Probably close to a heart attack, Bill. If you hadn't seen it before, of course. And who knows whether it's some sort of feature of your your body or your brain or your eyes, or it could be hormone levels. You know, hormones. We think of we think of sex hormones when we think of hormones. There right. are many different types of hormones, neurohormones, and so on. And it could quite likely have to do with the fact that certain hormone reactions allow you to see certain things. Um, well, uh, I hate to bring this up, but at the end of my first hour, there was a fellow who called who said he thought women had something to do with shadow beings. Now, he was only 19. I said, well, for you, women have to do with everything. But, uh, to which he acknowledged, by the way. <laughs> uh, but uh, the fact of the matter is, maybe he wasn't that far off, because who has more raging hormones... Uh, more frequently than uh, anybody else on the planet. Answer, women, right? Right. So you're, you're disagreeing with him, correct? I'm not disagreeing with him at all. Well, you little shadow person maker, you. All right, hold, hold it right there. <laughs> Back now to Dr. Spence. Doctor, welcome back. Thank you. We were talking about hormones, and we were talking about women with respect to shadow beings. Here's the only problem that I've got with this. Uh, certainly, poltergeist activity and a lot of interesting paranormal-type activity takes place around young teenage females. Yes. Uh, we, we know that's true. However... What I can't put together, if in a way, let's say that your hormones were running wild and you generated some sort of phenomena nearby, the, the problem that I have is that this phenomena appears to be intelligent in, well, that, in that it's got this, um, this obvious, uh, oh, my God, uh, you saw me, I'm taken off. I, I need to qualify something. Okay. I misunderstood. I thought this this person had said that, women were experiencing them more because of hormones. <laughs> no, 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 I don't think that women create these uh -huh. things. I want to clear that up. Oh, okay. That's completely irrational as far as I'm concerned. Well, I know, but he wanted to take a shot, and he did, so he said... Well, sure, let's blame everything on women. Women have been blamed for the origination of all sin, so why not, right? Well, you were the one who held out the apple there. You know, sure. take a bite of this. That's right. Okay. No one forced you to take the bite, did they? Uh, no. Well, no, not exactly. <laughs> That's uh, anyway, I'm not, I'm not sure we want to go down this road. No, we don't. But, <laughs> but what I do think is interesting is that women may be more likely to experience the phenomenon through the something to do with hormones. Um, okay. Because, and it's interesting that women have, have demonstrated and, and proven, in, well, they call it intuition. I don't like the word intuition because... It implies something magical in a lot of people's minds. I like to use the word or the phrase instinctive intelligence. Hmm. And women seem to have an instinctive intelligence when it comes to their children, whether those children are uh, natural, naturally theirs or whether they're adopted children. They seem to have some ability 
to have this, and it may yeah. be because of the hormones, and yet it doesn't mean that it's the hormones that's causing the phenomenon. That's, that's sort of backwards thinking, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, it, it also it wouldn't explain the, the males that have this experience, although males do have many of the same hormones we have as women. It's just that they don't necessarily have them quite as strong most of the time. But then even in, in the homosexual community, you see people who have different amounts of hormones given their physical sex that you would expect them to have. Sure. And so this is a naturally occurring phenomenon. And uh, so I do believe that it is connected to, to hormones as far as how often and intensely it's experienced, but not necessarily uh, having anything to do with the manifestation of the phenomenon itself. All right. I, when, when I began the hour, I, I said... What if whatever is causing this, whether it's uh, a shift in frequencies, modern electronics uh, beginning to change the frequency rate that we see as suggested by that incredibly good letter that's now up on my website, by the way. Read it, folks. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's, uh, it's interesting to sort of roll over in your mind, perhaps with the kind of thinking you described earlier, what would happen if this trend continues until eventually whatever veil has been up is gone? Well, you know what's interesting? I I think that it's going to happen gradually only simply because we're increasing our electromagnetic fields gradually. You know, the energy we're using more and more of is happening gradually and, and you know interestingly now with our power problems you may actually see the phenomenon slow down a bit because people are trying to use less electricity mm-hmm. that will be an interesting thing to track it would and uh, maybe a difficult thing to track but interesting nonetheless and then it's important to understand that uh, I, I don't think it's going to happen all at once you know because I think it's, it's, it's quickening it's so quickening. then there's this has quickening the societal impact then will be sort of the slow, slowly boiling frog. Uh, we, we will hardly notice it. Sure, exactly. But I don't know. At some point, there's going to be a realization that enough people are seeing these things and telling these stories, and more and more, it's happening more and more. And if, they, if it does go that way, since we don't fully really understand what the, the force is behind this, uh, getting us to see these things, the letter is a pretty good hint. It's just a, a really good guess. I think, a really good shout-out, but we don't know. We really don't know. So it could be something regarding the Earth's frequency itself, and we're just sort of along for the ride. I mean, there are a lot of answers to what could be causing this and how quickly it's going to happen. Absolutely. There could be many things, anything from solar flares, which happen every 11 years, Yes. and uh, to uh, any any sort of change, you know, a change in polarity, uh, the the, uh, polar shifts in... Whatnot. It could be anything, and, and I actually believe it's a variety of things, and I don't believe we, would, we will ever be able to identify every single one of them. So then we can't exactly know how quickly uh, it's going to increase. Exactly, and, and I feel that this is why it's so important that we begin to, to talk about it from a psychological perspective. Even. Well, that's what we're doing. So you tell me, if there was a fairly rapid realization that, by God, we're sharing this planet with things that until now we haven't seen, but now we're beginning to see. If that actually became realized publicly, how do you think it would change things? Institutions, science, uh, religion, on and on, everything. It would turn everything on its ear, like like has already happened many times through history. 
you know, churches have gotten actually very upset with astronomers as they've dis- discovered things and uncovered things, and actually many have been threatened with death and, and tortured uh, in, in, you know, distant past. Uh, in order to try and keep things secret so that things aren't proven wrong. And I think that we'll probably continue to see something of that, but it's going to be difficult for for those sorts of people to continue to get away with that sort of behavior because too many of us are aware of the reality. And I believe that it's like most things with, with our existence is that we live in denial. And so I also think perhaps there's a protection built in through that denial that we won't even 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 when we know for for 100% true fact that this is so, I don't believe we're all going to admit it to ourselves at the same time. Mm. So I don't necessarily think we're all going to have the realization, at least on all on the same level at the same time, which may help in in some respects. So maybe it is a good thing to have a little bit of uh, you know denial. Okay, stay close to the phone for me. All um, right. Now. Let's roll over again what we know. They they recognize us. They move very quickly. They seem to disappear, uh, to our eyes anyway. They disappear or just begin moving faster. What do you think? Well, I, I'm not really sure there. I think it, it could be, it depends, It would depend on their vibration level. And, and I do believe that vibration has a lot to do with this. My My main theory about the whole thing is if you were to glue two mirrors, together back to back yes. and one person on one side could only see a reflection of themselves and the other person on the other side only see their reflection and then suddenly something happens and the glue that you use to glue them together sort of begins to peel away or eat away at the metal yes. that, that causes the reflection suddenly people are going to be able to see one another and I believe that's what's happening it's happening gradually and I believe what's causing that is this uh, this energy you know, ultra energy level that we have floating around, for lack of a better term, in the atmosphere. And I believe it is eating away at some of the, whatever it is, um, you know, I mean, we only just recently have begun to realize that there's dark matter in between atoms. And in schools, it's still taught today That's right. that, you know, there isn't anything there. So that gives you a clue to not only our, our denial of things, but of of uh, how long it takes people to even be, be made aware. I guarantee there are many teachers who aren't aware of this yet. Uh, and so I think that, that that's what's happening, is that it's sort of gradually peeling away. A doorway may be opening, and, and I know that sounds incredibly new age, and I hate, I hate sounding that way, but the truth is I don't know how else to express it. Nor do I. And uh, that's not too agey for me, a door opening, a veil dropping. How it, it, These are just words uh, meaning uh, roughly what you just suggested. Uh, that's a very good analogy. You know, the metal sort of wearing away. Uh, but, but uh, you know, if it really was that, then you would think that, no, but that is what we're getting. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm quite puzzled by it all and troubled by it all, too, because I don't want to think that when I die, that's what I'm going to be. Well, I don't think that, first of all, I think we have a narrow view of what these things are, and, and we don't know that every soul stays in that form. It could be that they choose to be in that form or that it's sort of an in- entertainment. You know, if you, huh. if you were a movie screen <laughs> and all you saw all day were people that come and watch the movies and you were told that when you die you were going to become a person, you might say, I don't want to be a person. All they do is they sit and they watch movies all day. <laughs> yes. 
But they do a lot of other things, too. You just don't see that. Well, maybe then, uh, maybe we are entertainment for them. In a sense. I, I believe it's possible. I believe that's also... I hmm. think they, they study us, and I believe they, they know what we respond to the, the strongest. So that if you are a person who's very fear-driven, yes. they're going to manifest. And, and sort of take advantage of your fear so that you produce more fear, and that sort of is, is fun. And it's interesting because we're addicted to fear ourselves. We're sort of psychic vampires ourselves. Absolutely. And why do you think we like scary movies? Exactly. We wet our pants. We pay so much money to sit there and almost wet our pants, and it's ridiculous, and yet that's what we do. It's because we are literally, at least physically, addicted to the endorphins that we get from these sort of experiences and at the same time it doesn't mean that it's only a physical experience I believe that the physical experience sort of enhances the spiritual experience and I believe that's probably why we choose to inhabit bodies we basically wear a body like we're wearing clothes mm -hmm. and we, when we take our body off certainly we're no longer confined and I believe we're incredibly, incredibly light and able to move and probably able to move through dimensions in a way that we can't do when we're in a body because the physical sort of serves as a wall, it blocks us. And of course with regard to out-of-body experiences, uh, there was a woman who called in on your show last night and, and was describing a sensation she would feel uh, that oh, was the almost levitation. like... Yes, and the pulsing she talked about. Yes. I have experienced this myself, and I believe it is a very natural phenomenon. Um, I don't know that, that it's something that medicine or science has yet understood in a way that they can explain, but I suspect that what may happen is the brain is sort of... Well, we, we know that the brain goes to sleep, but certain parts of the brain stay active. And I believe there's sort of a vibration that occurs in the brain that allows the, the soul energy to sort of loosen the grip. Yes. It loosens the grip, so to speak. And that's where we get that feeling of lightness and floating. And on some level, the part of the brain that is still awake and alert, which I, I believe it's the primal brain, actually, that, that stays awake and alert at all times. That's why you wake up when you hear a loud noise. Because sure. there's, there's still input get, getting in there. And when you're floating, you're also sending, I believe there's a two-way communication between the soul and the body. And this feeling that you have that the spirit experiences sort of gets transmitted back to the brain. And so the brain records and, and remembers this experience. And so, and even when people wake up, that's why I believe this woman remembers this and why I remember it, because I wake up in the middle of it. And this is at the point where, you know, science knows for a fact that when you go to sleep in certain sleep stages, your body is actually paralyzed. You can't move. And that's actually a quite normal occurrence, depending on what stage of sleep you're in. This is to protect you from getting up and running around the room and acting out your dream while you're sleeping. And some people have sleep disorders, and they don't get paralyzed when they get into this, this sleep stage of REM. And they do run around the room, and sometimes they get violent, and sometimes they do terrible things. And so it, it does seem to, to be that our spirit, our soul energy, and our bodies are, have, have the energy grip loosened. And so I believe probably this is why it is true that we can travel 
interdimensionally while even we're sleeping, even though we're not dead. We don't even need to be clinically dead in order to be able to do this. I'll uh, tell you a kind of an interesting story. I, uh, I dream a lot because I have uh, strange sleep habits. You know, I, I will sleep uh, a couple of times a day, sometimes more, sometimes less, but very broken up sleep. And so I have an opportunity, I guess, to remember more of my dreams because I'm waking up and, and my sleep state is lighter, not as good as it ought to be. Sure. One, one night, uh, I don't know, about a year ago, I had a dream that I was in a fight. You know, you have a lot of fight dreams. Of course. Uh, who knows what they mean? Dream interpreters, I suppose, could tell you. But it was a fight dream. And in this dream, I was punching this guy in the neck. Boom. And, that, and, and I woke up and my wife said, what the hell was that for? And I had punched her in the back of the head. Ouch. Ouch is right. And I said, oh, my God, hon, I'm so sorry. I was in a dream. I was having a fight. Did I hit you? Yes, she said. Uh, so, but, but that's, that's the only time that I can think of that that's ever happened to me, ever. Uh, you know, every other time, a dream has been a dream has been a dream, and you wake up and you either remember it and it was profound or it was silly or whatever. But I've never had a... a you know, coming out of a dream in the, in the middle of a physical reaction was really freaky. Well, that's 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 a common occurrence. You know, not not necessarily for you. You say you've only experienced it once, but many people have the problem. Sometimes only once or twice, and other times it becomes an ongoing problem. There are actually relationships, marriages that break up because of this. Because really, yes, this, the, the person will get extremely violent, so violent that they're actually beating the person and hurting them and, and almost killing them. And then what, what happens after that is Yikes. the wife says, why are you doing this to me? And he says, well, I'm sorry. I can't help it. I'm not, I'm not aware I'm doing it. I was asleep. And she doesn't believe him. And then you go back and forth. And, and then does it, it becomes a question of, well, do we arrest this person? Because, you know, he's, he's beating his wife. But then <laughs> he's sleeping. And it is a very real occurrence. Now, extreme cases like that aren't as common but they do, they do happen, and, and it is a sleep disorder. And when you have such a strange sleep habit that is sort of necessitated by your line of work yes. and even by my line of work, um, what happens is your brain has to get into the REM mode very quickly because you're sort of conditioned to do that because you, you, if you don't have your REM, your body cannot release the melatonin that's required in order to repair damage to your cell structures. And yes. Whatnot. And so you've got to have this REM or you will literally die. It's only because you're not getting the melatonin and, and your cells are being damaged and left to sort of deteriorate. In fact, there's been a, a quite a big connection made between that and cancer, that, that cancer cells actually uh, are, are killed every night when you go to sleep or pre-pre-pre-cancerous cells. We don't really... Every cancer is, every cell is precancerous. Oh, no, that, that makes all the logic in the world. Sure, and then, so you need, you need that sleep, and that's why you're, you're jumping into REM so quickly, and therefore you're not getting a chance to get into the paralyzation mode before you're, it happens. You're absolutely correct, Doctor. Hold on, we're at the bottom of the hour. Recently, I've, uh, for that reason, begun to modify my sleep a little bit. So I sleep at night now for a much longer period, just have a little nap during the day. 
try it sometime. These hours are strange. All you need is the right job. Do an all-night radio show and then try to nap during the, the morning and the late day and do business during the middle of the day. Ain't easy. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from May 31, 2001. Once again, my guest, Dr. Morgan Spence. Uh, Dr. Spence, welcome back. I want to lead you, uh, here's what I want to do. In this half hour, I want to lead you away from the shadow beings for another subject briefly. And then uh, at the top of the hour, if you're able to stick around, I'd like to take some calls. On... I was going to ask you if we can stay on longer. I don't want to end this anytime soon, if possible. Uh, it's, it's possible. All right. Um, here we go. Uh, I want to talk to you. You mentioned it earlier, and I said we would come back to it. Another thing that we've really been heavily thinking about and considering on this program are, I guess, uh, you could say time disturbances. Uh, in other words, um, there will eventually be time travel. I, I think most people believe that. If there will, then there are time travelers, and if there are time travelers, then if they're able to physically manifest in any way in time, they could change things. And you mentioned that you sort of sat up straight when we started talking about people with memories of the way things may have been. In other words, people have these memories of things that don't appear to have turned out the way they are in our present timeline, kind of vague memories, but nagging strong memories when they hear somebody else say it, like Nelson Mandela died in jail, did not uh, uh, become free and come to leave South Africa and all the rest of that, that it happened a whole different way. And that might be the way it is if somebody's tampering with time. Yes. So pick a place and start. Maybe what you believe about time, whether you think that could be going on, is going on. And really that would mean, if it were true, that at any moment, reality, like throwing a switch for every being on the planet, would change. Well, I think you're close, but I, I think that uh, there are some things that we should probably look at here and, and qualify. <laughs> Lots First of, of all... Let's, let's look at the fact about time from a, a scientific perspective. With what cosmologists and physicists currently know, it doesn't look like uh, time travel as far as the concept of, again, we're looking at it from a linear point of view. We're saying, okay, well, the past is back there, the, future, the, the present is here, and the future is over there, as if it's a line, a straight line. I believe that time is a sphere. I believe that one theory is that time past, present, and future exists all at once, and that it's all still, that the only thing that makes us experience time is our movement and our awareness as we move through it. In other words, we're, we're sort of walking a path, if you will. And when you set out on a journey, for example, you might look at a map, and certainly for you, your reality is that when you travel a certain route, you're that, that's your reality, and as far as you're concerned, that's the only route that exists because that's the one you're on. You may be able to look at a map and recognize that there are other roads and other ways you could get there, but certainly your reality is that you're traveling down this one. Right. 
that doesn't mean that the other ones magically disappear while you're on this one path. No, and but, but I realize that. Exactly. Well, let's say, for instance, suddenly you get lost. You take a wrong turn. Yes. And suddenly now you're going in a completely different direction. You don't recognize anything. Things, things seem strange. Something seems off. You may not even realize you've gotten off the wrong... Uh, off the Usually wrong. it's the wife's fault. Yes, of course. Right. That's okay. We can handle it. <laughs> We're mature. We can handle the blame. It's wrong. <laughs> but, but truthfully, and, you know, actually the hormones do play a role there, and I can tell you some stories about <laughs> Dr. Reed. And, <laughs> we'll get way off where we should be. But the truth is, the truth is that definitely when we get lost sometimes, we're not aware of it, are we? It takes a long time, especially for men. Here's, here's yours. Mm. The, the men, they don't recognize that they're, they're lost, or they don't want to admit it, and so they don't ask for directions, and they tend to be lost for a lot longer than, than some women. Of course, it's... Well, um... But it's not wanting to ask for directions because it's a, it's a thing. You don't want to appear to be lost. But as far as... It, 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 a normal context, human thing, it's not just a man thing. Right. I, I believe that, and again, I think you shouldn't assign values to the sexes. I think that some sexes cross over and, and, and have different attributes from what's considered to be a, something from the other sex. You know, it's, it's not an either-or situation. Uh-huh. But I do believe that sometimes what happens is very similar to that, that scenario, is that we have a certain vibration that keeps us on a certain plane or in a certain dimension, and we're traveling on this journey. But what can happen, and it could be anything from energy disturbances, time disturbances, vibration disturbances, who knows, that could suddenly sort of throw us, throw our awareness or, or something over to a parallel universe, if you will, that would be contained within the same sphere that the rest of the time timelines are contained in. In other words, you know, the rest of the universes are contained in. Well, try this out. Um, Zach from Citrus Heights says, hey, what if these shadow people are actually time travelers from the future and are, in effect, cloaking themselves from us because they don't want uh, uh, to change something in this timeline? Uh, hey, not a bad guess in a lot of ways. Well, I believe I I believe half of that is true. I believe that many of the shadow people are time travelers. Oh. And I do, and I will explain more about that later when we hopefully we'll get a chance to talk a little bit about uh, extraterrestrials. But I do believe I do believe that um, these some of, some of these shadow beings are actually time travelers, even if they're unwilling time travelers. That's a possibility as well. Do you think there's evidence that these beings or time travelers or whatever they are can manifest um, physical change? I don't know if there's evidence, but I do suspect that it's possible, hmm. strongly. I think when you, when you get to evidence, it comes down to really... Some people see evidence as one thing and some see it as another. But I do believe that it is possible and quite likely. If I had to bet my life, I'd bet that, yes, it is possible. Would you imagine the nature of time to include the possibility that something changed in the past would uh, either create a whole new timeline or would, would affect uh, th this present timeline instantly? No, I do not believe that time is linear. I believe that, again, it's spherical or rather that it doesn't follow sort of a, a linear line. I believe what would happen is much like, I believe, Dr. Kaku states, that what would happen is that the, the energy 
or the, the uh, radiation would be so powerful that it would create a new universe or a new, possibly a new parallel universe or some new dimension or something of that nature. Uh, I think we're talking about things we don't have definitions or even words for, so it's difficult for me to sound intelligent when I'm describing what I believe would happen. But I do believe that if, if these beings have come back to do something or if they're here for whatever reason, they may affect the immediate surroundings, but that that may be because our awareness shifts back to another parallel universe. See, I, I, I sort of believe that, here's, here's sort of a far-fetched theory, one that I, I may not be qualified to really make, but I believe that the parts of the brain that we believe we don't use actually may be some sort of connection or link with all of these other parallel universes that I believe exist. Oh, yes. And what may be happening is, see, I look at it this way, that this brain in this parallel universe is aware of what's happening here because it's firing a certain way and it's responding to the environment here in this dimension or in this parallel universe. Right. But if there's a vibrational disturbance or some sort of extreme shift in, it could be hormones or neurotransmitters or any sort of thing of that nature, right. it could throw your energy awareness or soul energy awareness or what have you over to the other parallel universe, even for a split second, and then you might come back. And so I, I frequently find myself feeling that something has just shifted and I'm not sure quite what it is, or I, I have sort of a memory lapse for just a, a moment, or I might go into a fugue state where I, I do things and I seem to be aware of them when I'm doing them, but then a few minutes later I have absolutely no memory of it at all. Hmm. Almost like I've been sort of sleepwalking. And it makes me wonder, where did I just go? And, and we say things like absent-minded professors and whatnot, huh. but it could be possible that when we are firing away, and, and, and it would even make sense in the context of people who are extremely intellectual, because you're firing away and you've got all these neurotransmitters going, and then yeah. suddenly it's an overload, and somehow your energy awareness gets sucked over somewhere else. Now I don't, you know, I don't know exactly what might cause some of these these occurrences, but I suspect it could have something to do with the fact that doorways open up, and we find ourselves in a different universe without even knowing it. Yes, uh, yes, exactly. Now here's my point. If that's true, then we're like the uh, the human watching the fish in this little two-dimensional world, and we really don't have a whole lot of control, honestly, over what's happening. Uh, even on a global scale, things could be shifting all the time, uh, manipulated by external forces, and we would have absolutely zero control over it, at least right now. It could be that way, but I, I tend to think that it's not necessarily something that's being done by anyone intentionally because it doesn't seem to follow any sort of logic or purpose, really. It, it, sometimes it's something as, as simple as an apple that you thought you had that turns up disappeared from your, your bag. Yes. But I, I, I think that it's probably something that's a phenomenon that's caused by, by, by energy disturbances. And uh, certainly at some point in time, it may come to the point where we're able to manipulate this purposely. And it could be that there are beings out there that 
are capable of doing that. I don't know for sure, but I kind of suspect right now, instinctively, that it's something that's occurring quite naturally and that we don't understand why or how. And I also believe that it explains deja vu. The, the parallel universe question would explain deja vu perfectly because if there's some sort of leak from, let's say, the area of the brain that would be connected to all of these parallel universes and have the capability to travel back and forth in awareness only. In other words, there may be millions of Art Bells and millions of, of Morgan Spencers, and we simply transfer our awareness to different ones. Maybe. In different universes. Maybe, and but I, I know certainly on occasion I've walked into rooms and I've frozen solid, just boom, stopped, and looked at the room and absolutely known that I've been there before, but I know that I haven't been there before. That's... But the truth, is, the truth is, in a parallel universe, you have been there before. That would be the scenario. So you think that explains deja vu? Yes, I believe that actually you have been there before. You have gone, gone down a different timeline <laughs> before, and things were different in that timeline. And suddenly when there's a leak... Somehow, I don't know if it would be a leak in the brain or a leak in, in vibration or, you know, who knows what it would be. But if there's a leak, then, then suddenly you're going to have that memory and, you know, your conscious part of your brain is going to say, oh, no, this can't be. But then the, the truth is that it was, that you, that you did go through and, and travel down a different timeline. Yes, but ultimately the linear brain is going to win. Exactly. The linear way of thinking is going to win and you're going to say... I don't know, you're going to rationalize it away one way or the other. Exactly. You're going to brainwash yourself. Yes. Yes, right. as you were brainwashed as a child, which is a circle back to the beginning of our conversation. Absolutely. Hmm. Do you think we have any reason, any reason, to be afraid of these beings? Well... Other, other than the natural incredible fright when you see one of these things. Uh, is there any reason that we should be, uh, in other words, I can't tell you right now whether these things are good, warm, fuzzy little things, happy little things, uh, ex-humans, spirits of some sort, alien beings, uh, certainly they could be included too. If they're all of the above and we're just now beginning to see them, some may be well-intentioned, some may be enjoying themselves, some may be up to mischief, and some may be up to absolutely no good. Absolute sinister, yes. I, I, I would tend to agree with that. I would believe that, I believe that all of those things are possible. Hmm. And yet, here's something that I think we need to think about. Whenever we consider these possibilities, we need to constantly be mindful of the fact that we love to scare the hell out of ourselves. Hmm. And any time you introduce fear into a logical process, whether it's linear, spherical, or otherwise, you're going to distort things. So for a moment, it's, it's helpful if one can put aside the fear. It's not easy to do. All fear is just like anger. When it occurs and it's uncontrollable, then it's like uh, a, just a block going up in front of you, and you can't see past it at all. Sure. That's true fear, and it's true of anger. Well, I, yes, I believe that there are different levels of anger and fear as well. I well believe but both stop logical thinking. Sure, absolutely. And I believe that, you know, there's fear and then there's terror. I believe when you're frightened, you can at least, if you're mildly frightened, you can at least talk yourself through it mm -hmm. and, and help. I've, I've been able to do that myself a, a bit with, with regard to some of my experiences that I would probably be in a nut house if I hadn't learned to not necessarily control my fear but influence 
its strength. I don't think we can control our emotions. I think we can influence them if we're, we're trained very well. And I, I actually received some training because, you know, my, my area of research is something that many people don't survive mentally. Uh, really? Yes. Actually, I, I have a dear friend. I, I don't want to say names or anything. No, you need not. I have a dear friend who I went to school with, and um, she is actually clinically insane and has been diagnosed with schizophrenia. She just finally got to the point. Where, and this is a person who was completely a logical, healthy person. She just got completely immersed in the research to the point where she couldn't keep any perspective, and it just sort of took over her. And really? Yes. And, and so it, training, actually, is quite important if you're going to research some of these things because you are getting into some dangerous areas, even if only with with regard to how the, the physiology of the brain works. And, you know, again, we're talking about neurotransmitters and firing firing back and forth in the brain. Well, you will, before the night is over, get some calls that will say, you bet you're in a dangerous area, and you know what it is. Yes, right. <laughs> well, now, here I want to address one thing. Uh, as far as this, this thing goes about evil, Yes. there are people who claim that they say, oh, be gone in the name of Jesus and, and this being disappears. Yes. Well, I believe that why it works sometimes is that when people say this, it calms them down and it sort of quells their fear. And when their fear is reduced, they don't have as much notion to offer these beings, these psychic vampires, if you will. And so that might explain why that works for some people and why it doesn't work for others. Mm. That, you know, they're not calmed by it if they don't believe it, and therefore they're not able to reduce the level of emotion. But according to even your own earlier theory, you've got to allow for the possibility, at least, that they're right, and invoking the name of Jesus did do the trick. And it is possible. I believe that it is possible. <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, or they're conning themselves. Either way, it's gone. So good for them. All right. We are going to turn to the telephones. The subject of time or shadow beings, you call it, we're here. The trip back in time continues with Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM. More Somewhere in Time coming up. Back into the night with uh, with my guest, Dr. Morgan Spence. And, Dr. Spence, before we launch to any telephones and uh, pogo jump around on topics, which is what it will do to us, um, Karen in Sioux Falls sends the following, talking about sleep disorders. Maybe, maybe you don't want to answer this. She says, with regard to doing things in sleep, my husband will have sex with me while he is sleeping and thinks he is dreaming, uh, dreaming it as he is doing it, is this normal? <laughs> well, normal is such a subjective term. Yeah. I would say it's unusual. Unusual. Uh, I would say that it would, again, it would be uh, probably the, the creation of or, or an occurrence that occurs because he's he's got probably a sleep disorder that makes him think, that he's, or rather, he, he dreams, and because he's not paralyzed in that state as nor, as you would normally be, he goes and mm. acts out the dream. She and doesn't I, mention here whether she's a happy camper or annoyed. I was going to say, I was going to ask that question, but uh, I, I think that, you know, he, she's lucky that hers is not that she's, 
experiencing violence, but I think it's something that she should definitely, they should definitely have checked out because it could sort of uh, develop into something else if, if he were to have a violent dream. Yeah. So I think this should be uh, looked at. She should definitely see a sleep specialist. Um, and, uh, of course, then there's sort of a joke that you could make out of this that some women feel that all men are sleeping when they're with their significant others. But that's another story. Whoa. It Sorry. certainly is. Uh, all right, with that, we will launch. <laughs> First time caller line, uh, you are on the air with Dr. Morgan Spence. Hello. Hi. Hi there. Uh, I'm Jean from Brightville, South Carolina. Okay. Um, I, I've experienced these shadows most of my life. He's, and he's I, can remember, I can remember things happening before I saw shadows. Though. Do you mean shadow people or just shadows or seen from the corner of your eye or full on or what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, from the corner of my eye as but you know, I'm a I'm an older person than what you talked about as saying the shadow people. All right, look I, look, that was just my general observation yeah. that it's a lot okay. of young people, that's all. It's just that uh our family were lucky enough to get a television early. We got a television in the early fifties. That's so, very interesting. Know, but uh, but I can remember instances when I was a child that I would think I was a I was a very active tomboy child, and I can remember instances of saying you know I should have died by then or that should have hurt me, and I had the feeling that something had moved me out of harm's way. Huh. And as I got older, hmm. I started you know seeing the shadows, but no. not. I had not been. I just felt the presence of something there. Yeah, good enough. Uh, that, now, that's interesting, Doctor, because uh, if they are able to in some way physically manifest, then that which we assign to devils, demons, and a angels, uh, protective angels, a lot of people think they have something or someone looking after them. And there's a lady who said that she thinks probably whatever these things are, they were looking after her. Absolutely, I believe that's quite possibly po possible and quite likely, actually. And I think it's very interesting that she mentioned that her family got a television quite early. Uh, you can't help but notice these, the significance of that. This, this happens a lot in my research. I have interviewed I don't know how many. I don't even want to venture a guess. And typically, these people had high-tech items in their homes earlier than the rest of their community did. So there's definitely a connection. And after all, what is life? What is so, except energy? It's an it's a energy vibration. And so certainly there, there should be a connection there just by our own logical thinking process. And I, I definitely believe that she's right on to something. Now, as far as thinking that, oh, this should have killed me or, or so on, I, I've had experiences like that myself. So has Dr. Reed. And sometimes to the point where your reality seems bizarre because you're saying to yourself, it just isn't possible that this many things could happen to one person and they could still survive. And that is what makes me wonder, when we have near-death experiences, let's say, for instance, that so energy does exist and it is really light and it does travel extremely quickly. Right. It would be so light and traveling so quickly that it would be likely to get sucked into a black hole immediately upon being loosed from the body, let's say, when, once the cell energy is completely loosed from the body and, and that sort of, um, what they call the silver cord is severed, that this cell energy would just sort of get sucked into a black hole 
which could be taking them to a, a different dimension or a different world or whatnot. And I think it's very interesting that people, when they talk about near-death experience, say they remember a bright light. Not all of them, but most of them. Most of them, yes. And it's interesting that even Dr. Kaku says that if you got sucked into a black hole, you would, you would see such a bright, blinding light because there's so much light that's been sucked into the black hole, it can't escape. And so you would, for a split second, see this, this very strong radiation, this bright light. And I believe, quite honestly, and I know this is probably going to make some people feel strange, but I believe that when we have near-death experiences, frequently what's happened is we have died and we have gone on. And what we've done is we've been sucked into a black hole. Our, our soul energy has been sucked into a black hole and delivered to a parallel universe where our awareness has been planted into another body. could be a body that's just like our other one, or it could be another body, who knows, that's, that's been there all along, sort of living a life, but, but that now our awareness is there completely instead of being there only partially. And we have no clue that anything has happened, except that maybe we might discover that maybe Nelson Mandela is alive instead of dead, for example. Mm. Or we might discover that, you know, a, a house that we thought was just down the road has been torn down, and we're wondering, oh, well, it just must be that I've been busy and, and I didn't notice. And there might, might be quite a few things, and <laughs> enough to make you question yourself, but not enough to quite convince you. Yes. <laughs> so yes, so that's, that's sort of my theory about near-death experience, is that that could be. And then the other question that you posed and she posed was, you know, could, could these shadow beings be protective? Here's what I believe, and this is where it gets sort of strange, and yet I believe profound, uh, if you'll bear with me. Mm-hmm. Assuming that these beings are, are out there and exist, which I believe they do, it's hard for me not to, after seeing what I've seen and experiencing things myself, I believe that what happens is all beings seem to follow certain rules, regardless of their species. For example, with the human race, there are people who are extremely aggressive and malicious in their intent towards other humans and other animals, and yet there are other people who are very nice and warm and fuzzy, so to speak, and there are other people who are in the middle, and any one of us on any given day, depending on what's happening in our lives and what mood we're in, could be either way. Sure. And so certainly extraterrestrials and shadow people and, and other beings would seem to follow that same behavior pattern and I believe that a lot of people from what they're reporting in the, in the great diversification in, in the details I, I believe that you know that support for that theory now I believe also with regard to extraterrestrials for example I was going to ask you about them well I see a lot of uh, Typically, it's, it's difficult to study shadow people, in my experience, without also studying extraterrestrials because they seem to come hand in hand. And I believe that's probably because these beings, some of them are extraterrestrials. And they may be very advanced and coming from the future, and they may be capable of manipulating energy fields to where they are invisible unless they decide to show themselves or unless something goes wrong, which, you know, even in our space program, we experience mistakes, don't we? We know all about those. Oh, you bet. And so they may have problems with some of their technologies, and sometimes they may not always be able to be cloaked. And with regard to abductions, our perspective is that it's terrifying. 
And again, as I said earlier in the show, the primitive response seems to be that if it's frightening to me and if I've never experienced it before, it must be evil. Yes. But I don't buy that because, again, we're not all evil, and certainly there are animals that are frightened of us. You know, when we, when we try to look after endangered species, what do we do? Well, we abduct them, basically. We kidnap them. We take them back to a laboratory. We inject them with microchips so that we can track where they are, and then we study them. And then what we do is, is we try to help them. You know, we, we take birds and we stuff them in paper bags so that we can weigh them, actually. And that must be terrifying for the birds. Yes. And I'm sure the bird goes and tells all the other little birds that these people, they're awful. They want to make slaves with us. They want to kill us. I don't know what they're doing to us, but it's terrible. It's horrible, and I don't like it. <laughs> but the truth is, our intent in doing this is to protect them. And it seems to me that if an, an intelligent species of beings is watching us, to them we must look like we are extremely endangered as a species. Because look what we're doing to ourselves. Look what we're doing to each other. We've got all these diseases popping up. We, oh, yeah. We've got people bombing buildings and, and all kinds of things happening that, that are just terrible and that may ultimately be the, the end of our race if we aren't careful. And I believe that even though we don't want to believe this, you know, we don't like to be controlled or influenced because it makes us angry. It's, it's, it's something we don't like. But the truth is, maybe they are doing something for our own good, much like we do things for the, the good of, of endangered species. And, you know, we also influence reproduction. You know, I, I hear these stories of people who've, who've been taken, and I've actually, I, I told you before when we spoke yesterday that I... I have had some experiences that I'm only willing to call dreams because, mm-hmm. not because I'm frightened of, of it being real, I almost wish it were and hope that it, it is real because it, it's certainly interesting and, and I like to think that interesting things are real most R- of the time. Rolling back for just a second, uh, if this is going on, if some sort of uh, beneficial action is taking place, then I wish they'd do a better job because if you if you look at present trends and behavior, uh, there hasn't been very much modification uh, on, uh, on the positive side just yet. Well, right, and I believe it's a long process. Uh, and, and again, look look at our own animal kingdom. It appears that we haven't made much progress with what we're doing with them either. You know, so I wish we could develop some better methods as well because our methods don't seem to work very well at times. And then there's the other, the other problem of that certain humans are, are engaged in trying to save these species while other humans are engaged in killing them mindlessly yeah. sort of for, for the fun of it. Yeah. And that's sort of disturbing because it suggests that there are probably alien beings who would do the same thing to us, and I believe it does and has happened. And yet, the truth is, what do we do to people who we can catch anyway who are doing this to endangered species well we punish them and so we we are incredibly motivated to protect the species and therefore that includes helping to eliminate anything that causes a threat to the species even if it's within our own species all right let me uh, bring somebody else on a lot of people here a wild card line you're on the air with dr morgan spence hi yes hi art hello where are you where, where are you i'm sarah from syracuse new york hi sarah hi um, I have a shadow person experience um, that took place on December 15th of last year, and the reason I know that is that it was in my in a dream state, and I keep a dream journal. 
um, so I remember it. Um, and what happened was um, I dreamt that I was lying in bed awake in the dark, and suddenly I saw this entity hovering above me, this dark energy field, and it just suddenly swooped down on my chest and shoulder area, and it pinned me, and it got a hold of my throat so that I couldn't speak. Oh, it smells. Yeah, and um, so I was just stuck. I was totally immobilized, but I realized um, for some reason that I could hum or chant. Mm -hmm. I could make sounds with my throat, mm -hmm. so I hummed for some reason. What did you hum? Um, I just went, hmm. Okay. And at that point, I didn't feel pressure on my throat because it literally it, it got me by the throat. Um, and that was the only sound that I could make. You could have gone, mm. Yeah. Mm. And at that point, the dream stopped, um, and that was the end of it. But, but when, it, when it came down on me, um, I noticed that my spirit kind of went off to the side of my body. Because <laughs> I think I was so freaked out, I couldn't, you know, bear to look it in the eye. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. First of all, it's interesting that when you woke up, the being wasn't already on you. It, it sort of, am I correct? You, you say that No, I never woke up. Never woke up. I just, I just kept, I went on to the next dream, I guess. All right, so it was a dream. You believe it was a dream? Yeah, I think it, it, it could have been some sort of, you know, it was almost like an out-of-body experience, too. Well, it's difficult to say what it might be, but I, I can say this. It's very interesting that you had the presence of mind to hum. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and I almost got the sense that it wanted me to. Well, and it almost also sounds like you instinctively knew that, that you were thinking rationally. You weren't so overcome with terror. That's true. And I believe that possibly the humming was a way for you to almost distract yourself from what was happening and, and sort of dissipate some of the fear. Mm -hmm. And that could have, if, assuming this was more than, quote, just a dream, I don't know really if there is such a thing as dream. Well, it's kind of a vocal pinching yourself, right? Exactly. Exactly. Pinch me, I'm dreaming, or uh, hum something, I'm, I'm afraid, <laughs> I'm having a nightmare. So, yes, uh, that certainly would make sense. And I, I think that that's, that's interesting, and that is encouraging because it suggests that when we are focused and, and don't run, allow the fear to run away with us, so to speak, figuratively or literally, then it helps us to combat whatever it is that, that seeks to control us. Okay, but there's at least an even chance that what happened to her was real. I believe so. I believe, you know, perception is something that is very unreliable. And so we may perceive that things are dreams. You know, I have friends who say, well, how, why do you insist this was just a dream? Why don't you just go ahead and say you've been abducted? Well, first of all, I don't like to be judged, and most people will, will judge you if you say that. And secondly, true. to be honest, I honestly don't know that it wasn't a dream. I, I have no idea. I, it felt real. I could feel pain. I had changes occurring in my body that were evident the next day and so on, but I just don't know. I don't know if it was a dream or not, and yet it, at some point it becomes a question of does it really matter. The brain doesn't know the difference between a dream and reality. This is a fact. We really don't. That's why we respond the way we do when we're having a terrible nightmare mm. uh, or, or a great dream, so to speak, you know, a wet dream. Mm -hmm. So who really knows? And, and does it matter whether it's just a dream or not? 
that doesn't mean that there isn't an entity that's communicating something to us or studying us. Yeah, well, the kind of communication that went on there, we can all do without. Anything else, ma'am? No, that's all. Thank you. All right, thank you very much. Uh, not exactly the warm and fuzzy story. Exactly. And the question I would have is, could it be that, that the reason they were immobilizing or this being was immobilizing her was because they were afraid that, that uh, she was going to try to fight them with something they were doing? For example, if we are trying to impregnate uh, an animal artificially and the, the animal is subdued and suddenly it wakes up, we're quite...